So by the time we reached that, um, it was it was kind of how it was meant to be. Um, that's how that's how I think of it. You know, it's, it's my destiny. You're on stage and you're singing to a crowd of people that you you, you don't know them, don't even speak their language most most of the time, but they're singing your songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just got to give a lot of thanks to that. So every day I get up, I go, thank you. Go cool. out the brew. Yo, man, it's your boy. I'm like, who's that? Go Steve. I go, Steve. Stevie Wonder went, yeah, right. <laughs> Sing me something. And then he did. I was like, Jesus Christ. He's taught me how to harmonize, taught me how to sing, taught me how to produce, how to arrange, you know what I mean? To put the vibes into something. So he's all encompassing. So to actually get a, a, a song written for you by the guys as well, that's just, um, you can't buy that. I, I, just, I just enjoy myself. So much um, making music. I give thanks for it every day, and I, I still get that fire in my belly because you know when I put an album together, it's like putting a puzzle together. You want somebody to put that you know needle on the record and then not stop listening until it's all finished. But to do that, you have to take them on a journey. My my old manager said he took one of my records to Capitol one day, and he said we got we got Craig David. Why do we need him? Do you know what I mean? Wow. And that was the that was the thing then. Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 you know, but that's not going to stop me from making my music. Mm, exciting right. times ahead. Mate. Yeah, absolutely. I'll keep working. It's just short life. Got to live it properly. I believe everyone has a story to tell. Through seeking true, authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey, I provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen. This is the County Business Talks podcast, produced by H2 Productions. Okay, listen, welcome everyone to the County Business Talks podcast live show. Um, Listen, buzzing to be here, obviously at Soho House, amazing venue. Um, I'm Sam Thomas, obviously I'm the host of the County Business Talks podcast, also co-founder of County Business Clubs. We're a members organisation which share people's stories, business stories, inspirational career stories, and that's what we're about. That's what the, obviously the podcast is mainly about. Um, I'm really overwhelmed, obviously, with the amazing turnout that we've got tonight, and I know that's very much to do with our esteemed guest. He's a music icon with a career spanning four decades a signature hit tune that led onto eight solo albums, collaborations with some of the biggest names in pop music history. Stevie Wonder, Leon Ware, Erica Badu, just to name a few people. Um, a catalogue of side projects mo- more extensive than many artists' entire working lifetimes. A one-man stage show, an MBE p- pinned to his chest by King Charles. I'm delighted to welcome the legend, Omar Lifeuk. MBE to the to the stage. Okay. Ah, good evening. <laughs> How are you doing? All right, not too bad, thanks. Mate, it's a great to have you here. Thanks for coming down. Look, absolutely buzzing. Today. Only ten minutes up the road, so. Yeah, we're winning. We're winning. Perfect. Mate, look, we're going to kick things off. Just jump straight in. Let's sure. talk a little bit about, tell me a little bit about the life growing up. Obviously, your dad was a musician, uh-huh. siblings, musician. Was, was music always going to be the path for you? Uh, yeah, my dad bought me my first drum kit when I was about five years old. Uh, my mum and, and dad split up when I was one. 
uh, and then I got back together when I was 18, which is a bit crazy. Um, but in in the middle of that, uh, we, we moved to, to Canterbury. So I grew up in Canterbury. Excuse me, let me switch that off. <laughs> um, so I grew up in Canterbury, and my first experience of... Uh, of uh, learning an instrument was uh, my next door neighbor was uh, she was uh, about 90 years old and she had this cornet that she kept in a in a shed and it was really rusty banged up and I used to take it to school in a plastic bag when everybody else had a brand new trumpet and everything else like that but yeah, I started to learn like how to, to read music and play music from that and then from there I started to play the piano I started to learn percussion then I learned the uh, tuba Actually, the, the 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 baritone, then the tuba, as well, and I was playing in orchestras, brass bands, choirs, percussion ensembles, anything to do with music. I was uh, I was in there basically. It was hooked from right from from five years old all the way. From five years old, I mean, I started learning the, the piano when I, was, when I was about eight. They said I was I was, I was a bit old <laughs> to start learning, and I was thinking eight years old. That's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty new, isn't it? You know what I mean? But. Um, but from I start to learn the piano, then everything starts to make sense. Because with the piano, you get the bass, you get the treble, you get all the different keys and everything. That you, and it's right there in front of you. Um, uh, but I didn't start writing music until I was about 14. So, but, so from, from then on, was you like, that was always going to be the path for you? You just didn't... Was there anything else yeah, you, in, your, well, in your teens where you thought, oh, I'm going to give that a go? I, or? I was all right at football. I remember uh, that. Cause, um, when what was position in, did you play? Uh, was I a winger? Whatever. It was, <laughs> it was wherever I, I could get a position with. But the, the football practice was the same time as the band practice. Yeah. So I had to make a, a decision. And music just was um, singing to me. So that's the way, the way I went. Amazing. And then, like, cause, like, as you just mentioned, you obviously multi-instrumentalist. You mm. played loads of different... Um, you know, different stuff. So you went to the music school as well. Talk to me about that experience. What was that when, uh, when you went there? Well, I started off at uh, Saturday morning music school in Maidstone. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I managed to get placed at Cheap School of Music in Manchester, which is like the second most expensive music school in the whole of Europe. Uh, I, we managed to get a, a scholarship. And it was the best two years of my life. I mean, I came out with no qualifications. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean, I did. I think I did uh, two. I did A level and double A level music, and came out with an F, and an E, or a Z, or <laughs> something that really didn't make any sense. But the the whole experience of like living with other musicians twenty four hours was was amazing. I mean. Uh, my friend Max Beasley was uh, two years below me. Do you know Max Beasley? Yeah. Actor, yeah. musician. He was amazing. Um, in fact, when I got suspended, actually I got expelled from boarding. I had to stay at his house as well, which is just <laughs> up the road. And uh, that was like the worst thing, that I couldn't stay in the school and it had to be a day pupil. But, um, yeah, we had, a, we had a band at school. I had, my dad bought me a, a, a four-track tape recorder. So I could write my songs and stuff, and it was just the best time, best time ever. I mean, if you you seen Animal House, yeah, it was like that. <laughs> it was exactly like that. So we didn't we didn't kill a horse in the the head teacher's <laughs> office, but very similar stuff. Wow. <laughs> and that, that, it's interesting you say about that education. I talk about it on the podcast quite a lot generally mm. about the, the education piece, and obviously coming out and having a, you know. I found my A levels as well. I, you know, didn't do great at school, but you, you come out of that, and actually, mm. especially nowadays, people you can you can make a career 
I'm not that bad man in the education system at all, and obviously it's great to get a good education, but actually you can still go on and get great careers. I think experience is the, is the key thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Being able to play with musicians. I mean, uh, I, I like to use a lot of strings in my my, my um, compositions because of the effect. I mean, when you do a, 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 an orchestra course, which is like a week, it's like you're doing seven days, uh, day in, day out, you, you're rehearsing all these big, you know, Mahler, Brahms, Dvorak, Debussy, and it's, I think it's the vibration of the strings does something to you. And especially yeah. on the last day, um, when you, you, know, you know you're going home and stuff and you're playing all this amazing classical music, it does something to you. It affects you. And, and, it, and it, I think I, I put it into, into the music itself. Amazing. And then what, when, when, when did that songwriting and singing, I guess singing, become the main focus for you? When was that? Um, when I was about 14. Um, I started to, I, w- I worked out, if you get a tape recorder, if you get two tape recorders and you record something on one and then you play that back and record on the other one playing something else, then you can build up, you know, you keep bouncing, keep bouncing, then you can actually end up with a full recording. And um, my dad, uh, uh, he, he had his own recording studio in Edgeware Road. And so I, I had a friend that I used to record with, um, Jesse Wilson, um, and we used to do, we used to like spend weekends um, putting stuff together there. But I remember when I first started, somebody said, Yeah, nice music, but you shouldn't sing. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Who else is going to do it? You know what I mean? And, and listen, my first recording that I ever did, my first record, I hated. After two weeks of having to promote this thing, um, because it was the same time as um, Five Star. Who's old enough to remember Five Star? <laughs> That was a rhetorical question, actually. You didn't, you didn't <laughs> give yourself away like that. Um, uh, we, uh, I had to do uh, PAs after Five Star. So you imagine they were massive uh, like this time. You know what I mean? And then, uh, so I'm basically going out when everybody's leaving. And plus, then I'm singing this song that I hated with a passion. I was like, so from, from then on, I decided any music that I'm going to make, I have to like it because you have to sing these songs for the rest of your life. It's like mm-hmm. a ball of chain around uh, around your neck, so you have to make sure it's it's good. And I think um, I managed to to stick to that credo. Yeah, amazing. And then and obviously the, the, the debut album. There's nothing like this, which obviously many many people. 1990. Actually, was the was the original one. <laughs> and is he a plant? Well, I might cheers. But we um, t- talked to you because you obviously originally you released it under your father's um, Congo dance. Congo, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then, mm. but then you re-released it again with by we're talking, talking loud. loud. Yeah. So my dad um, started his, his own a little bit of history for you. My dad started his own his own uh, record label. Uh, called Conga Dance in the 70s because he was playing drums and then he had his own band called Jalayan, a reggae band. And also my, my little brothers had their own little band called Burning Bush which was a bit like a musical youth as well. But when I, when I started to make stuff, he was looking for a soul act, a soul artist. So then that's how I started to, you know, when your dad owns his own record label, it's quite, uh, <laughs> it's quite easy to, to get on the ladder. But... Um, 
yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that's kind of how everything started. Well, well, talk, talk me through, like, the, the decision then. So, obviously, cause you launched it with then and re-release it with the, with the new label. What well, was the decision? So, um, basically, after we re- re- released it initially, this it went to number 54 without any radio, without any video, without any major kind of, like, promotion. Mm. It, like, it did something because people were playing on pirate stations or in the clubs. Um, so... Uh, Giles Peterson and Norman Jay had started uh, talking loud and they were looking for other acts to, to, to fit the label. And I mean, they had people like Incognito, uh, Young Disciples, Galliano um, as well. And this is around the same time as uh, Brand New Heavies. You know, all of us are trying to do the retro soul, soul thing. And they just came and said, look, we can take this international, which is basically what it did. So mm-hmm. we remixed it, um, well, remastered it, I should say. Um, so it came out again the next year in 1991, and that's when you see me on top of the pops. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's that? Like, talk to me a little bit about that feeling then of like you, then you, you wanted a, a career in music because you how old was you then? What 21? 20, like, yeah, 21. And like 21 years old, top of the pops. Mm. I I've always had a sense of. This is my destiny. You know, I've, I've been, always been kind of a show-off, always wanted to, like, stand out from the crowd. I mean, I used to body pop in Canterbury. And, uh, it was Saturday. <laughs> hey, listen, don't knock it. <laughs> I got nine pound one day. It's <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> but from, from doing that, you know, you walk into the town and people shout, oh, Omar, and I'm like, I have no idea who this person is. But there's, that was like, a little level of fame that I got from then, so... For me to suddenly go from there. I mean, the other thing is as well, I'd released four singles previous to that as well. So my fame had started growing a little bit more and then a little bit more, and mm-hmm. you know. So by the time we reached that, um, it was it was kind of how it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, how, that's how I think of it, you know. It's, it's my destiny, basically, you know. I'm quite a, quite a good show-off. <laughs> I guess it's that as well, like, from, a, I guess, a lot of, business owners and stuff in here as well but it's that that resilience that pay that belief you start a business you've got to have that belief that you're going to go on and 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 achieve something you've got to you've got to be hard-headed about it you've got to be realistic also i mean you because you, you know obviously you've got to pay bills you've got to look after your kids and family and, and eat and stuff mm. like that so you have to be realistic to know how far you're going to go and i've just been kind of blessed I've, I've got to say i've been looked after by whoever's looking after me you know i, I believe in God or higher power or whatever that's I've just how I've been looked after you know and I, I'm I've never s- sought you know to be in the charts or to be in the fashion or what's happening now I'm just uh, an artist that's trying to express himself and trying to you know um lead some other people with me I, I, I find like-minded other people that are into the grooves that I like to listen to or that I like to make I mean there's no better buzz than when you're you're on stage and you're singing to a crowd of people that you you, you don't know them, don't even speak their language most most of the time, but they're singing your songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just got to give a lot of thanks to that. So every day I get up, I go, thank you. Love that. I love that. Mm. Talk talk to me a little bit about like, a career span as long as yours has within the creative industry with music. But talk to me a little bit. I, I often talk on the podcast about challenges and f- things that we've faced. Look, we've just come through the last few years, the global pandemic. Mm. Loads of people will come on and talk to me about the challenges they face in that. that. But within the industry that you've been in, um, to have a career and uh, as long as you have, mm. talk to me about some of the challenges. Was there ever a point that you felt to yourself maybe 
and what he's saying for me. Oh, oh yeah, there's been a couple of times <laughs> when you know you sort of, uh, how much have I got left in the bank, and then I've got to pay the bills and, and some of those. I mean, there was one point I was thinking about uh, going back to being a waiter because of really good tips. Just being a waiter, you know what I mean. You got, like I said, you got to be realistic about it. But I've, I've, I was blessed enough to, you know, to to power on through. And then with the love of the fans, um, people listen to my music. That's that's helped me no end. I mean, when when the pandemic hit, I was I was just about to tour the states and wow. Brazil. <laughs> Man, and do you know what I mean. And then all this stuff, all of a sudden, you just sucked away and you had to think had to think on my feet what I had to do and what I did uh, was I bought some GoPro cameras some uh, some studio equipment to set it up so I could do live streams because that was the only way that I could perform to people and that seemed to work that got me through like the really bumpy times mm. you know and um, yeah give thanks again that I managed to, to survive that but uh, it's that again the creative thing, again, I speak about it a lot on that, especially during that lockdown, people having to look at their businesses and, and whatever that looks like and go, oh, I've got to come up with a different idea. Like, I, ho- I used to host events, like, like right. and you right. go, can't do any events, can't do it. So you have got to think a little bit outside the box and think. Mm-hmm. So I'm keen to start tap into the, the entrepreneurial side of you, I guess, from like, it, it, but, but uh, like, obviously, from a, again, from a creative point of view, that's a given, you've got that, that, that creative skill set yeah. then but again there's got to be a business element but to the, there to the is, music but we industry. were talking about this before I don't really consider myself an entrepreneur you know I, I, I've got a friend um, his name is Raheem Devon very amazing singer and he was selling he was selling greetings for a hundred dollars a pop do you know what I mean <laughs> he was doing that kind of thing or but then again I did I did do um, doorstep serenades Love that. You know, pay me, pay me the right money. I'll stand at the end of your uh, driveway, <laughs> and I will sing the song to you. And that's Mate, I'm gonna, I'll tell you what, we're in. my wife's in here. We're gonna have that soon. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Book it in there. Book it in there. I'll book yeah. the angels for that. I'll book yeah. the angels. Hey, that's awesome. That's all. Awesome. Well, look, let's go on a little bit like, with some challenges, like, like you said, COVID and stuff affected everyone. I think it changed people's mindsets around that. But um, look. I, I got obviously looking at your bio and the research before, and I could have, if I'd done the list of your successes and stuff over the over the course of your career, we, you know, at the start of the intro, we probably would have run out a bit of time because there's so many and loads of bits and pieces. Talk to me about if you had to name sort of a key highlight. I mean, look, we'll go to 2006 Best Neo Soul Act, um, 2012 UMBE and stuff like that. But could right. you, well, well, if you looked over your career, that one? Oh, do you want to pick? Pick one. Pick, pick, pick a high, Talk to me about a couple of highlights. I'll chuck a couple in there. Chuck a couple. Chuck a couple. Okay, working with Stevie Wonder would definitely be, be right up there. That. Look at that. I just get a clap for working with him. You know what I mean? Imagine being him. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, you know, I'm, I've met Stevie... Like through the years, at different points in my life. Like first time I actually was in the same vicinity was when I was like sixteen, and he came to uh, an estate in West London, and he said, "I know somebody couldn't come to see me, so I came to see you." And that was like, "Wow, that blew me away." And then the next time, I actually got to shake his hand because my dad knew his uh, representative Keith Harris over here. It's a picture of that. And then the next time, 
I got to give him my second album. And then he said, I really like the music. He wants to write me my first number one. I'm like, I don't care where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do something together. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, to make a long story longer. Uh, <laughs> so there, we had set up a time. This is 92, I think, 92 or 93. And I'm in LA and I'm, I'm told, just wait for the call. You're going to get the call from Stevie. He, he, he wants to come to the studio. And so I'm waiting all day, all day, all day. And then midnight comes, and then I finally get the call, and he says, come down to Wonderland, which is where he's recording you know, songs in the key of life, all these amazing albums. And uh, I get there, and I'm still waiting for another two hours. And then finally, Stevie comes through, and he goes, right, yeah, follow me. <laughs> so we're walking through to this tiny room with a keyboard set up, and we're having a little conversation. And then he starts talking about the, the price of fish. And I'm like, what? And then... Uh, <laughs> He's falling asleep. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, maybe we just cut it right now. <laughs> so then, fast forward eight years later, I get a phone call out the blue. Yo, man, it's your boy. I'm like, who's that? I go, Steve. I go, Steve. Stevie Wonder. I went, yeah, right. Sing me something. And then he did. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did he sing? I don't know, it's just Steve, you know what I mean? Did some acrobatics, some acrobatics or something. And, it, and then for two weeks, I'm, I'm like his ambassador. We're, we're in clubs, hotel, um, studio. I'm like, <laughs> you know, in the VIP section, people are coming, oh, Mark, can, um, do you think it's all right if I can meet Steve? I'm like, yeah, hold on one sec. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm the, you know, like I'm in charge. And then we finally go to the studio. And uh, I told like so many people to, to come at a certain time, like 11 o'clock. He doesn't turn up until 5 a.m. So everybody's like, you, you bullshit. He's not coming. 5 a.m. he turns up and we put something down. That was okay. 11 a.m. the next day, he calls me. God, I've got another two. I went, let's go again. And that was uh, Feeling You, which is on um, my sixth album, I think. <laughs> <laughs> At the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to be Stevie Wonder. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Wow. Now, is is that point when you're doing something like that, like as a as an artist, is that that moment? Is that a dream come true? No. Oh, absolutely. I've been listening to Stevie since I was about eight years old. Um, my first album I bought was uh, Secret Life of Plants. Before anything else. And uh, that was, uh, for an eight-year-old kid to get onto that, it's, so, uh, it's kind of deep. Um, but he's taught me how to harmonize, taught me how to sing, taught me how to produce, how to arrange, you know what I mean, to put the vibes into something. So he's all-encompassing. So to actually get a, a, a song written for you by the guys as well, that's just, um, you can't buy that, you know? Yeah. Mm. And I, I'm, I'm keen, because I, I often talk about, I've spoke to different people, like, People who uh, sold businesses for millions. I've talked to Olympic gold medalists and stuff like that. Is that I'm always keen to see that when you get to a moment like that, like that magical moment, do you do you look back now? Do you you look back at that time and really go, I appreciate. It. I was in that moment and I remember and I've appreciated that. that I that filmed moment. it as well. Really, even though I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not going to see the yeah. camera, so I kind of. <laughs> 
That wasn't a joke. It wasn't a cheap joke. I just had to, had to film behind his... Uh, his Because uh, you know, Stevie Wonder, that's a moment that you're not going to get back. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the footage is fantastic. He's on the drums. He's, he's on the keyboards. He's singing. You know what I mean? He's just, having a, he's just hanging out with, with the guys and just, yeah, amazing. Amazing. That's magical. Magical moment. Well, look, uh, your career has spanned, like, as I mentioned, decades and multiple genres, obviously jazz, soul, hip-hop. Um, over that time, talk to me about, uh, obviously you've stayed like, creatively relevant, innovated. Talk to me a little bit about that. What, what do you think is the key, I guess, to having the longevity as you have in, in your music career? I just think stubbornness, for, for one, for sure. Yeah, you know, because I, 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 just, I just enjoy myself so much um, making music. I give thanks for it every day. And I, I still get that fire in my belly. You know, when you make that tune and you're like, wow, is, this, is it just me? And then I'll tell you the difference now is the technology because of the internet. Um, so if you can, like, communicate directly with your fans straight away, mm. you don't have to wait for the circuit for it to go around and, and the, you know, the dub plates or whatever like that. You can just stick on the live and then bam, you've got the people there and then they're giving you the feed, feedback. And I've had so many great responses from stuff that I'm just doing in the studio. I, I kind of got that from Lenny Kravitz because I saw him doing something quite similar. And I was like, I like, I like what he does. I love, I love his vibe too. Mm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of have to go with the technology. I mean, there's so many different things that we've gone through, you know, DAT machines and, and uh, mini discs and, before it, we were using, you know, VHS tapes to record, you know what I mean? And there's reel-to-reels and stuff. You've got to keep up with all that kind of stuff. Um, but there are times when I go back to the old equipment to listen to stuff that I might have done back then. Because, you know, when I put an album together, it's like putting a puzzle together. You want somebody to put that, you know, needle on the record and then not stop listening until it's all finished. But to do that, you have to take them on a journey. And not every song you're writing in sequence does that. I put my last album, the first song that's called Vicky's Tune, that's the name of my, the mother of my girls. I started writing that in 2003, and I passed over two albums before I actually used it because it didn't make sense until that time to do it, which is 2017, 2016, um, basically. So it's just getting all these things together, and you know, and my brother's very good at doing that as well. He goes, I bet you forgot that, innit? <laughs> yeah, listen to that. I was, I was like, who's that? That's you, man. I'm like, wow, I totally forgot that. Because we got so much. And he's he's more prolific than I am because he will write a song and then do six remixes to that one song on that day. You know what I mean? So he's just, he's such a such a machine. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's all, it's all blessings. It's amazing, isn't it? Because he's a grabby winner as well isn't he you, you, you yes he's a grammy award winner i'm not <laughs> thank you for reminding me you brought you brought you brought him up i weren't even gonna ask that question <laughs> yeah he got a grammy for um working on steve and marley's album as well he knows all the marley boys julian marley's his, his best mate as well he's been on tour with him um but yeah he, he's thoroughly thoroughly deserved he should get more 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 and do you sure. do a lot of stuff together, you and your brother? The last album was our, our uh, what's it, on purpose collaboration. But yeah, on each album, you leave something, an influence or a production of his uh, scratches beats, scratches proper beats, the scratch professor. <laughs> 
and as siblings go, how close you are, is there ever a yes. rival with? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my brother, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hug and then like, get up. My, the amount of times we had fights, you just fuck off out of the studio. I'm not coming back. <laughs> no, 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 10 minutes later. All right, so we finished that last uh, eight months. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we got over it as well. So, you know, when I've been watching this thing about Will and, Will and uh, Harry, I'm like, oh, yeah. I totally get it. It's brothers, man, you know. This is how it is, you know. It's yeah. I've got an older brother. I remember it going up. And the competitive edge there. Yeah, the, oh, I, was yeah. the, I was the younger brother as well, so I had to beat him. Of course. Right, right, right. Everything, right. everything. <laughs> I tried, I tried, I tried. Sure. But, um, look, I want to... I guess looking at some of the changes in the industry mm. over the years, I'd be keen to. Now, you mentioned about obviously the modern technology and stuff like that. Would you uh, start in a career? Would you prefer to start? Are you starting it now or go back there? It was. Oh, definitely where I was. Um, I feel. I feel the competition now and the, and the level of competition as well. The amount of singers and. I mean, some of these kids, I mean, they're barely out of their nappies and they're amazing on the instruments that they're doing. I mean, there's one kid who's playing drums. I was saying, no, I'm not going to use that analogy. We're in very decent company. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's, it's incredible. But it's so many and so much choice. Um, you've got to battle your way through all this to stand out. You know what I mean? And I didn't have to do that um, back then, even though it was harder in, in other um, respects, you know. Being a black performer, being a black artist, there was this one in, one out policy that they used to have. Um, my my old manager said he took one of my records, the Capital, one day, and he said, "We've got we got Craig David. Why do we need him?" Do you know wow. what I mean? Wow. And that was the that was the thing then. Yeah, yeah. I said it, it's it, you know, but that's not going to stop me from making my music. Mm. It's up to them, man. What they do, you know. Um, so yeah, little things like that, but. That would never deter me from doing what I do. But but like nowadays, although again, I guess with social media and stuff, there's lots more people easy to but easy to get something out there. Like if you, you people can be in their room and just go. Oh, I think that's I think that is uh, the plus so thing too yeah. because then you know back in the day it was a record label dictating what you what the output was for the radio station for the main radio station or for the TV show. And that was, they had a tight hold on that. Whereas now people can just make whatever music they want. Mm. And they're not, you know, not beholden to this corporate thing going on, which I think is much better for the artist. Mm. But like I said, you've got to find a way to get paid. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Turn that into money, uh, into money. And now with the streaming thing, you know, I was kind of okay with it at the beginning, but now I'm sort of like, well, come on now. You know what I mean? Because now the record label gets the money, not the artist. Which isn't it, that's completely twisted. That's absolutely out out of order. So something has to happen. Some uh, about that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, look, mate, I'll get it. And I think that I want to. I want. I want to jump on just about um, about the collaborations you mentioned. Obviously, we've, we've gone through a bit of fully um, <laughs> and Stevie Wonder story. But talk to me about some of the other moments, like. Erica Badu, Common D'Angelo, Soul Star. I mean, look, Erica and Common can put in the same one. Um, I got a phone call. She was in. She was in England, and people were telling me that she was talking about me on the radio because um, one of her favorite songs is uh, "Little Boy." And um, uh, and then uh, my manager suggested that I do a version of uh, "Be Thankful" by William Devon, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, I, I kind of got this. I, I think I know what I'm doing." Mm. 
but I was, I was looking for somebody to sing it with. And the, the original person I had thought of said no. And then out of the blue, Erica calls me. Says, what are you doing? I'm like, I've got this tune. You want to come and sing? <laughs> and when we were recording, when she was uh, recording her bit, Common was in the studio. I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't know him then. He was, I think it was Common Sense back then. And, uh, and then the week before we were supposed to release the album, her record label calls my label and says, we can't use her. Because, because why? Because we said so. I'm like, what the hell? You know what I mean? And I knew Kadar Massenberg, who manages, uh, I think he still manages her, and D'Angelo, and he just gave me some proper attitude. So I just said to the label, listen, you need to sort this out. But in the meantime, I had to find another, um, sort of like a featured artist. And Angie, Angie Stone, kind of came out of the blue and said, yeah, I'll do this. Fantastic. Cost me five bills, but um, (laughs) it was worth it. And then they turned around and said, yeah, you can use it now. <laughs> so I ended up with two versions of the same song, but, you know, it was uh, it, all's well that ends well. And what, 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 what do you, like, if you're looking for someone to collaborate with, is it that you come up with that tune and you think to yourself, oh, that voice, that's going to be good with that, or what, what is it you look for? It's, it's, it's all about vibes. It's about if it's the right place, right time, if they're up, up to do, mm. you know, to do the task. I mean, I was working with, I did a song with Kelly LaRock that came out of nowhere as well. And I was really nervous to work with her, but the, the end result was fantastic. It's called Come On. Um, I got to write a song for and with Sarita Wright. You know who that is? That's Stevie Wonder's ex-wife. And she's my favorite female vocalist of all time. Mm-hmm. And I managed to do it, I think it was the year or two years before she passed as well but it was just everything i mean when she started singing i i I saved everything she wasn't singing any any words but i just used it and because i just started crying you know it's just one of those moments which you have to uh, you have to capture it and it was just right at the time you know yeah love that so plenty of those love that and mate and again just listening to you talk about them again uh, looking over the career and, and amazing stuff that you've done individually but then and listening to all them things talking about them collaborations is mm. phenomenal just uh, like you say just an amazing journey and I guess this is the one thing like I said, one of the big things I've taken from the podcast uh, everyone I've spoke to is about the importance of life and our actually enjoying that journey enjoying that process of absolutely and people always ask me would you change anything to what you have no way I mean everything was meant to be where it was when it was mm. You know, I I, I I met Leon Ware when I was in uh, the south of France doing the Midden Festival singing. Um, it was a tribute to Marvin Gaye. And I had no idea who Leon Ware was. Uh, this guy is, you know, it's huge. And then, you know, like for months. <laughs> Can I say this now? <laughs> I was, um, <laughs> the first time I met Leon, uh, we did a concert together, and then I ended up in a toilet cubicle with him and DeBarge smoking a spliff. <laughs> and <laughs> our friendship was sealed from there, <laughs> basically. Uh, but it was, even then, I had no idea who he was. I ended up in L.A., and I'm with this guy, and I'm hanging out with him. And uh, we end up in uh, the Roxy. And you remember Goodfellas when they take him into the restaurant, but through the back, and then they take him to the front and <laughs> sit him down? 
That's exactly what they did with Leon. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> Gerald Albright's on the saxophone going, this is for Leon Ware. I'm like, God damn, I got this before internet, so I couldn't Google him. <laughs> and then and then I find out, you know, obviously he'd, he'd written for Marvin, but then Michael Jackson, Minnie Ripperton, the dude just massive, you know what I mean? Maxwell, you know, just crazy. One of those, uh, those journeys. Wow. Look, we want to talk a little bit about the, um, I just want to delve into a little bit about the acting. <laughs> Let's go, we're, you know, obviously with the Essex twang, I'm from Dagnum. Mm. And a vote from EastEnders. Let's <laughs> talk. So, I could be a daddy die, I want to be. I think my wife would daddy like me to look more like daddy die. He goes, you're liquid sex, you are. <laughs> liquid <laughs> sex. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Avery Baker, talk to me about that. Talk to me about that. I got uh, an email from my agent going, should I tell him no? And I went, what? And I read it. He said, oh, they, they want you, are you available between this time and that time? I went, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then and then I read up on the part and and was like, oh, this is this is me, man. You know what I mean? Smoking a cigar, wearing a three piece, turn up in a Bentley, chatting up Sam Mitchell. <laughs> and then I, I mean, love that scene where you you, you you drive you drive through the square and, right, they, right, yeah. and you tell him a st- yeah, <laughs> it's my, it's my sick cat. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, it was just like, and then I'm, I'm in the the pub playing the piano as well mm. and get having a sing song. That part was written for me, you know what I mean? Um, but the thing is, I've been acting since 2009 and doing various bits and pieces as well. That's just the biggest thing that uh, people have seen me. You know, it's funny, a lot of people only recognise me for that. People have no idea that I do music. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, hey, 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 oh, am I? Yeah, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> I'll take it, you know what I mean? I'll take it, no, it's no problem, but... Um, yeah. What, what about because you've done musicals as well? What do you prefer, like screen or stage? What's it? What? I don't know. I, 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 I've got a one man show that I do as well, which is a, it's a 50 minute monologue with songs um, that, I, that I play as well. That's quite, that's a really nice thing because it's quite intimate. It's like, I, sh- I, sh- I, sh- I could do it in here. Yeah. It's about the right size. 100%. I'll have, to, I'll have a word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> book it now. Book it now. Yeah, but, <laughs> but no, I mean, but the experience of EastEnders was amazing. Uh, Roger Griffiths, who plays my brother, he basically gave me a crash course on what to do and what not to do, and I, I just stuck with him basically. And it was just, I just loved turning it up at seven a.m. and you know, getting into the costume and then you know what I mean, all that kind of stuff. It's just fantastic. You can't really, you know, you can't, uh, you can't explain it any better. Great experience. Like again, uh, uh, people know me. I'm very much a yes man. Like people say to me, "You're going to do something." Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that, and you right. figure it out later. Like, yeah. Because uh, li- life's an opportunity, right? Yeah. And yeah. you know, actually, I'll, I'll grab that because you don't. Then and then we experience. Look, we're sitting in there talking about that as an yeah. experience, and you go, "Yeah." And the, your agent says, "Should we say no?" Oh, no, wait. Let, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Let's nah, jump in. No, I'm going to do that. Love the it. only thing is, they kill me off. Yeah. <laughs> I died. And there's nowhere coming back unless I'm Bobby Ewing. <laughs> <laughs> You're all showing your age again now, if you know what that is. Mate, listen, we're coming sort of towards you. I want to, we mentioned, we talked a little bit, obviously, offline as well. I've got twins. You're a father yes. to twins as well. Yes. Um, talk to me a little bit. Work-life balance, Ad, what does that look like to you? Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, 
we moved to Brighton in 2009. It's the best place, I think. Yeah. Really. I mean, come on. Uh, I, there's lots of trials and tribulations I see all around the country. I don't see it in Brighton mm. at all. And, you know, um, we're in a our girls... Here. Uh, we're, in a, we're in a bubble here, aren't we? Well, so we, like, yeah. I mean, I think we space. are. But what a lovely bubble. Oh, yeah, love it. You know what I mean? I mean, this place looks like Miami in the summertime. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel like I'm in, in, in another country. But they're, they're thriving here as well. Two completely different girls. <laughs> one, one is all hair, makeup, clothes and stuff. The other one couldn't care about any less about that. Um, but, yeah, they, they just, they're doing really well at school as well. Um, dancers, because their mother's a dance teacher. They've just been excelling at, at dance as well. Um, great singers, but they would never let me tell them what to do. When it comes oh, to yeah. singing, well, I'm dad, aren't I? So, yeah, um, yeah it's but yeah, it's it's brilliant, Dad. But would they uh, a possible career in music for them? Or I don't know. Any, uh, the the world would is you their, encourage that? No, no, no. I, I, the world is their oyster. I mean, they've got their sights set on, and it changes all the time. One is very much into text uh, textiles. She says she wants to do something with Pinterest. That's, a, that's where she's... And she's got a really good eye as well. When I've seen the photographs and stuff. She knows where to put things and place them. But she's excellent in maths, Spanish, you know, all across the board. And same thing with the other one. Mm. Um, so it could, it could be anything at this point, you know, yeah. just as long as they're doing well. One wants to go to Rodin, so I'm going to have to... Uh, Get a number one or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 you see, it's a little bit low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and t- teenage girls, so mine, mine are, are going to be eight in May. T- in, in, uh, still at that nice stage, they still yeah, run up to me. Daddy, and go, daddy, yeah, why yeah. not? Yeah. Adv- adv- yeah, yeah. Advice That's for me for, t- for teenagers? What, what well, when it? I answer the phone, it's all right, how much or where to? <laughs> That's what they're asking, you know. Um, you just got to let them do their thing, you know, because they are teenagers now, you know, they're all developing into these adults and stuff. It's crazy because one likes to have pies around uh, my flat and there's these six footers coming. She's got a boyfriend now as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't go. I told you I can't Give go there, my head. <laughs> yeah. Six foot one, he's only 14. And there's like five or six of them. You know what I mean? Um, but they're all great kids. You know what I mean? They, they're very respectful. Um, and we just, I think we just did a really good job. Oh, we, we can be proud that we, yeah. we brought them up nice. But also, thank you to Brian, you know, because it's a great place. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree, mate. Well, look, tell me, what's. Um, we're going to jump into our quick fire questions in a bit, but just tell me what's next. What's next for you? Uh, right, so I'm just about to sign the next album, album nine. It's called Bright of the Days, um, and it's like in the next two weeks, we're signing on the, the dotted line. Very happy with that. Got people like uh, India Ari, Paul Weller, Gigs, uh, and others to be named. Um, but just really happy that I managed to get onto this, you know, onto the next stage. Um, I also, <laughs> I, I wrote down a few of the, the, the stories and stuff that happened to me when I was at school in Manchester. And then I, I'd play, I, I showed it to my friend who wrote me my one-man play, Che uh, Walker. And we turned it into a, a drama series, which is now, I think, just about to be taken up by uh, Tiger Aspect as well. So the, the, that's in, in the pipeline. And also Sadler's Wells want to do a musical based on my music. As well, so lots of spinning plates and fires. Exciting fires. times ahead, mate. Yeah, absolutely. I'll keep working. 
Love it. It's a short life. Got to live it properly. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Well, look, on, on the podcast, always I finish with some quick fire questions. So I'm going to chuck these ones at you. And oh, uh, no. <laughs> sorry, mate. Everyone loves these ones. Yeah, but go on. If you could go back to any time in your life, when would it be and why? <laughs> you wanted me to finish on okay, that? Okay, uh, the 90s, I think. That, yeah, nice, I reckon nice. that, that was when we were all young, free, and carefree. <laughs> and, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the world was our oyster. If I had to, then it'd be the 90s. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> what did you say? No phones. No phones. Yeah. Oh, you're one of them, are you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be lost without them. You sound like my ex-missus, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's inspired you in your career and why? Um, well, Stevie was was an obvious one, no. but my uh, my dad. My dad is the one that kind of, uh, he guided me in terms of uh, like production and stuff. And he has, he has this way of getting his... Uh, his vibe across without any words. He's like, no, you need some, mm, 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 mm. you know, <laughs> no, 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 mm, no so, mm, mm, like that. And <laughs> s- somehow, somehow I understand what he's talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? What you're listening to is a result of what my dad used to say to me. You know what I mean? So yeah, a big influence. But mate, la- last one to finish off. Give me your one rule for living a fulfilled life. Don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love that. Wow, that got, got an applause. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, listen, uh, honestly, thank you so much for coming on. It's been, I'm sure well, everyone agrees, what an absolutely fascinating journey that to listen fun. to you, uh, <laughs> listen to you talk about. And look, we're going to, um, listen, firstly, massive round of applause, please. Thank you. Thank you. I think we're going to, um, if you're okay, we've got a couple of minutes. We're going to sure. open it up to, to some questions from the floor. Anyone got a question out there? I can't see because of the lights. Yeah, no, can I? Here we go, Lindsay. My favourite thing about Brighton, the smell of weed. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I meant the fresh air. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible. Every corner I'm turning, I'm like, wow, 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 wow. No, it's just the, the uh, like, like you said, it's a bubble that we live in here. It's like somewhere, every, all the problem, problems that I hear in other, other parts of the country, I just don't hear it here. You know what I mean? And it's, it's a blessing, absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, uh, my my ex missus used to say, we should move down there. I was like, no, I'm. It's better in South London. What an idiot I was. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This is fantastic, Danny. So, yeah. yeah Anyone else? I'm a big fan of Pharrell because he's got some tunes out there which people are still banging right now. And he's, he's stuck to the same formula of bass, drums, keys, guitar which is, you know, the acoustic sounds, the original sounds. He's not messing about with samples and, you know, sequences and, and, and synthesizers so much. It's just, it's really, really simple. And I like his voice too. I think we'd, we'd blend quite well. Mm-hmm. Pete, go for it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, he's in the prime seat, all right? <laughs> <laughs> inspires my music you know I've I've got it's 
it's reggae, Latin, funk, soul, jazz, classical, and anything could come from there. It come from, come from the bass line, could come from the drum beat, it could come from the chords, and it's just as simple as that. And when once I get it in my brain, it's like a little worm. I got to put it down, and I got to put something to it. Um, yeah, simple as that. You know, just even washing up, something might happen. You just you know, just doing that kind of thing. Oh yeah, that, that kind of thing. And and weed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a theme here. There's a theme. Yeah. Got a couple at the back here. You can't see, so I've got a couple of cushions at the back. Oh, okay. for it, mate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for uh, best venue, for whether it's emotion or, or sound or font or... I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of intimate venues. So the smaller, the kind of the better. Up to 500 is, is a good size. I, I, I regularly do the, um, the jazz cafe. Um, I'm trying to think where else. Uh, the New Morning in Paris is another good one because like, people are right there in front of you. And it's none of that. I, I did something... Uh, at Christmas with um, Trevor Nelson. It was uh, Soul at Christmas. And the venue's lovely. It's gorgeous. But you just get lost in sound. And you need the, the earphone things and stuff like that. And so, yeah, uh, my, my ideal venue is a, is a smaller one. Nice. Hiya, over here. Oh. Hiya, sir. Ah. Hiya. Hi, hi. Uh, first of all, can I say there's nothing like this is a tune. Thank you. Absolute tune. Um, So, who do you listen to now? What artists do you reckon? Do you know, um, I've been listening to some old um, artists. Are you you asking me about new ones? Yeah. Okay. uh, Joel Culpepper is a a kid that's doing his stuff. And Children of Zeus. Those guys are really, really kicking right now. Um, Little Sims. She's got a vibe to her as well. Uh, yeah, those three, I think. I mean, there's there's more. But I, the, who I'm listening to right now is Jonathan Jeremiah. Has anybody heard of him? Um, who's the people that sound, uh, sang Take Me to Take Me to Church? Where's me wife? She know that one. Hosier. That's where they got their sound from. Jonathan Jeremiah. Remember I said that to you. And when you listen to it, you go, oh, my God, oh my God that's them. Um, and then, of course, I was listening to Burt Bacharach. My God. Wow. Just an, an amazing, what a prolific songwriter. And The Four Seasons was another one. Another, yeah, incredible. I used to listen, I used to, listen to um, my mum's records on a Sunday morning. I remember I used to get up at 8 a.m. just to go down and put on, on, on these albums. Four Seasons would be one. Elvis would be another one. I was a mass, I'm a big um, Elvis fan. He's got the same dum, dum, <laughs> dum, dum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that those kind of things were the things that uh, you know inspired me when I was younger. Got another one over here to your right, Sam? Yes. Right. Hello. Hello. Uh, this has already kind of been answered, um, but I was just wondering if there were kind of any underwrapped musicians that haven't been kind of discovered yet, yet that you're any? a fan of. Kind of undiscovered musicians. Undiscovered. Like, you know, oh, I'm trying to think of who. Ren. 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 Yeah. Well, I haven't heard that name for ages. Is Ren in here? No. <laughs> Ren. That that rings a bell as well. Um, I'm trying to think of any undiscovered, yet to be discovered. Yeah, but you wouldn't know the names. Uh, 
I could say anything, couldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Win, tin, tin, tin. I'll go and put a fiver on that to be Brian one. Forger. Yeah. <laughs> or Brilliant. yes is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, I think Anyone? that... Oh, we've got, oh, we have got some. Sorry, yeah, we're still I'm going. In. We're still going. Hi, Omar. Hi. Um, track you wish you'd written? <sighs> Oh, good question. Uh, the girl from Ipanema. I mean, it's millions, but that's the first one that came to my mind. <laughs> um, quick two-parter. What was it like on the school run with your kids, considering you had a profile? And do your kids get how massive you actually were? Or you just a sad, <laughs> embarrassing dad? Yeah, I, I was embarrassing dad for a long time, <laughs> trust me. And then it's only when they started going to uh, secondary school and then other kids started looking on my Instagram going, oh, your dad's... Oh, yeah, yeah, he's all right, he's cool. Like, before, I was like, yeah, whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, yeah, people aren't going to stop you on the school run. They go, oh, my God, because kind of, you're doing the school run. Um, yeah, it makes no difference, like, you know... I'm no different, am I? You know, it, I'm just a dad trying to get his kids into school and trying not to park in front of the school because you get the parking ticket. Not, which you're not, always not doing Brighton. Avery Baker Bentley. In your Avery Baker Bentley. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have done that. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look. Oh, we have got one more. Time just, for one more. Go one for it. One question. No worries. Um, okay, what's the story behind this? Nothing, nothing like this. So um, I was going through my dad's record collection. And uh, I came across this album by the band called the o the Ohio Players, and the album's called Skin Tight, and there's a track called Heaven Must Be Like This, and this is '89. I'm listening to this, so you imagine it's acid, acid, and uh, rap had just started, and everything was like you know samples and sequences and stuff, and this was just pure. I mean, it was just ecstasy on, on, a, on, a, on a record. And the strings. And if you listen to the bass line, it's almost, it's, I kind of ripped it off, basically. But I was like, nobody else is doing this. I need to do this to make, to make a point. You know what I mean? So that's why I did start with the bass line, put the drums down, put the keys, put the strings. And then I stopped at five o'clock and went and bought a draw. And then I wrote the lyrics. <laughs> And then it was done by 7, 7 p.m. It's <laughs> 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 time for EastEnders, exactly. <laughs> That's a lovely way to end that, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, mate, again, thank you so much. What a brilliant, lovely conversation well, to have with you and you. share with your journey. Listen, everyone, Omar. Obviously, you all enjoyed that as much as I did. <laughs> Can't put him on the spot like that. <laughs> Hang on a minute. <clears throat> I say that, that I love you so and I mean it so. From the bottom of my heart, I'm telling you truthfully, truthfully. 
baby I So that something in your eyes Comes to no surprise That you turn me Oh so giddy Yup I love you Tell me that you love me too Yep, yeah, I love you, 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 tell me that you love me too, huh, listen to me, baby. Good job. This is the County Business Talks podcast, produced by H2 Productions.